Good morning and welcome to Simply Space. It's Saturday, February 17th. On today's show, we'll discuss the ERS-2 re-entry and explore how and why it is happening. Also, Japan sets its sights on the commercial space market following the successful launch of the H-3 rocket. Plus, NASA's OSIRIS-REx mission surpasses its goal for asteroid Bennu sample return. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Space. We start off with an update from the European Space Agency. Their European Remote Sensing 2 satellite, or ERS-2, is set to re-enter Earth's atmosphere in February 2024. Launched in 1995, the satellite has provided valuable data on Earth's land surfaces, oceans, and polar caps, and even monitored natural disasters. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Space. Can you tell us more about the ERS-2 and its mission? Certainly, David. ERS-2 was launched from Europe's spaceport in Kourou, French Guiana, and it laid the foundations for the future of European Earth observation. It was also called upon to monitor natural disasters, such as severe flooding or earthquakes in remote parts of the world. The satellite exceeded its planned lifetime of three years, spending 16 years in orbit before ESA decided to end the mission in 2011 and actively deorbit the satellite to reduce its potential impact on the space environment. How was the deorbiting process conducted? Operators at ESA's ESOC Mission Control in Darmstadt, Germany, planned and conducted a series of 66 deorbiting maneuvers in July and August 2011. These maneuvers used up the satellite's remaining fuel and lowered its average altitude from 785 kilometers to 573 kilometers. This lowering of the satellite into a denser layer of the atmosphere greatly sped up its orbital decay. ERS-2 was then completely passivated in September 2011 to reduce the risk of an internal malfunction causing the satellite to break up into pieces. What can we expect when the ERS-2 re-enters Earth's atmosphere? ERS-2's re-entry is described as natural as it is no longer possible to control the satellite. The only force causing ERS-2's orbit to decay is atmospheric drag, which is influenced by unpredictable solar activity. During re-entry, the satellite will break up into pieces, the majority of which will burn up. The risks associated with satellite re-entries are very low. However, it's not possible to predict exactly when and where the satellite will re-enter prior to its final few orbits. What has been the impact of ERS-2's mission? ERS-2, along with its predecessor, ERS-1, significantly changed our view of the world. It provided new insights on our planet, the chemistry of our atmosphere, the behavior of our oceans, and the effects of human activity on our environment. The data collected by ERS-2 are still widely used today and kept accessible through ESA's Heritage Space Program. They serve as long-term global records to derive essential climate variables that help scientists monitor our changing climate. That's fascinating. And what is the legacy of ERS-2? ERS-2 was a forerunner in synthetic aperture radar and interferometry applications, paving the way for future SAR missions, such as Copernicus Sentinel-1. At its launch, it was Europe's most sophisticated Earth observation spacecraft. ESA continues to make efforts to dispose of its older satellites in more sustainable ways than were originally planned. Thanks for joining us, Bella. In other space news, 
Japan has marked a significant milestone in its journey to become a competitive player in the commercial space industry. The country successfully launched its next-generation H-3 rocket, placing two small satellites into orbit. This comes nearly a year after its first attempt ended in failure. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about this successful launch? Absolutely, David. The H-3 rocket was launched from the Tanegashima Space Center in Japan. This is a significant achievement for the country, as it's the first successful launch of this next-generation rocket. The success of this launch, which included placing two small satellites into orbit, is a crucial step in Japan's push to become a competitive player in the commercial space industry. Can you tell us more about the H-3 rocket and its significance in Japan's space ambitions? The H-3 rocket is a next-generation launch vehicle developed by Japan. It's designed to be more cost-effective and versatile than its predecessors, which could make it a strong competitor in the commercial space industry. The successful launch of the H-3 rocket is a testament to Japan's technological prowess and its determination to carve out a space for itself in the global space industry. What happened during the first attempt to launch the H-3 rocket? The first attempt to launch the H-3 rocket took place nearly a year ago, but unfortunately, it ended in failure. The specifics of what went wrong were not disclosed, but it was a setback for Japan's space ambitions. However, the country has clearly learned from that experience and has now achieved a successful launch. What does this successful launch mean for Japan's position in the commercial space industry? This successful launch is a significant step forward for Japan. It demonstrates the country's ability to develop and launch advanced rockets, which could make it a strong competitor in the commercial space industry. It's a clear signal to other players in the industry that Japan is serious about its space ambitions. Thanks for the insights, Abby. In other space news, Japan has successfully launched its next-generation rocket into orbit, following two failed attempts. The H-3 rocket, designed to replace the HI-2A, took off successfully and entered its planned orbit carrying a dummy satellite and two functioning microsatellites. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Space. Can you tell us more about this successful launch? Absolutely, David. The H-3 rocket was launched at 9.22 m Tokyo time on Saturday. The Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, or JAXA, confirmed in a live broadcast that the launch was successful and the rocket had entered its planned orbit. The H-3 carried a dummy satellite and two functioning microsatellites, which are expected to assist with disaster prevention efforts and monitor the operation conditions of factories. That's quite an achievement. Can you tell us more about the H-3 rocket and its significance? The H-3 is Japan's flexible and cost-effective flagship rocket, designed to replace the HI-2A, which has been in service since 2001. Developed with Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, the H-3 is designed to carry a 6.5 metric ton payload into space for as little as 5 billion yen, or about $33 million per launch. That's about half the cost of its predecessor. JAXA hopes that the H-3's lower costs and greater payload capacity will attract global clients for missions, such as delivering supplies to the International Space Station and supporting the U.S.-led Artemis Moon Exploration Program. What are Japan's future plans with the H-3 rocket? Tokyo has announced plans to launch about 20 satellites and probes with H-3 rockets by 2030. 
this successful launch is certainly a significant step towards achieving that goal. But this success comes after two failed attempts, correct? Yes, that's correct. The H3 had back-to-back failures last year, including a botched launch in March that ended with ground control using the rocket's self-destruct function shortly after blastoff due to a failure in the second-stage engine ignition. JAXA identified three possible electrical faults in a subsequent review of the launch, but could not determine the direct cause of the failure, which caused significant delays to its space plans. It's good to see them bounce back from those setbacks. What other recent achievements has Japan had in space exploration? Just last month, Japan successfully landed its unmanned probe SLIM on the moon, becoming the fifth country to place a craft on the lunar surface. It's clear that despite the setbacks, Japan is making significant strides in space exploration. Thanks for the insight, Celeste. Now, let's shift our focus to another exciting development in space exploration. NASA's OSIRIS-REx probe has returned from its mission to asteroid Bennu with more than double the amount of samples than initially expected. The probe collected a total of 4.29 ounces of material from the asteroid, a significant achievement for the space agency. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Space. Can you tell us more about this mission and its findings? Certainly, David. OSIRIS-REx's mission was to collect up to 2.12 ounces of material from asteroid Bennu. The probe exceeded this goal, collecting 2.48 ounces from the outside of the canister alone. However, NASA knew there was more inside. After designing a new tool to open the sealed container, they found an additional 1.81 ounces inside. In total, the probe collected 4.29 ounces, more than double the mission's goal. That's quite an achievement. Can you tell us more about the challenges NASA faced in accessing these samples? Yes, the sample container was secured inside a larger enclosure, built for protection during the probe's journey. Some of the material ended up inside this protective enclosure, but outside the designated sample container. This gave scientists a preview of the Bennu sample before the main canister was unlocked. However, the container proved too difficult to open, prompting NASA to design a new tool to access the samples. And how does this achievement compare to other asteroid sample missions? This is the largest asteroid sample ever collected. For comparison, the Japanese Aerospace Agency's Hayabusa 2 mission brought back about 0.18 ounces of material from its asteroid target Ryugu, in December 2020. What's the significance of these samples? What can they tell us? Asteroid Bennu is believed to be a remnant of the early solar system. Studying these samples could help unravel some mysteries of early planetary development. Scientists are already finding a whole realm of material previously inaccessible using samples collected from meteorites. What will happen to these samples now? About a quarter of the Bennu sample will remain with researchers on the OSIRIS-REx research team. NASA also plans to preserve at least 70% of the sample for study by scientists worldwide, as well as for future generations of researchers. That's certainly something to look forward to. Thank you for the insights, James. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Space. We'll see you back here tomorrow.